Hey, welcome to the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always really good to be with you. And uh, as my friend uh, Doug Thornton says, we've got a crisis brewing about every 12 hours now. Uh, But fortunately, what we're talking about here is not a crisis of an immediate nature, but I still think it's going to be a crisis. And our guest is Tim Mashler. And uh, we're going to be talking about a book that he's helping to promote, written by uh, Melissa Reardon called Trump and Sodom. And I think we might be talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Tim, welcome to the show. And and I'll let you correct me on that if if my interpretation is correct, uh, incorrect. But welcome to the show. First time guest and thanks for coming on. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And you've got it just right. (laughs) Well, um, I have to say that I didn't think we had such a positive president until he started handling COVID wrong and listening to the wrong people. But his first three plus years were three of the best years America's ever seen in many regards. I don't think all regards, but many regards. Uh, and I feverishly supported his reelection. And I took a lot of heat when I took a stance that this election was stolen from him. But now, given this, you know, I don't know if I should be rethinking my support of him. Um, tell me what your concerns are about President Trump now and an ish, uh, a social issue that's come up. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, kind of on two levels. Uh, started back in January, February, a friend of ours who is a prominent uh, GOP leader contacted us and, and said, were you um, aware that President Trump was the main attraction at uh, <clears throat> at uh, a log cabin Republicans, a homosexual group, log cabin Republicans gala at Mar-a-Lago? No, we weren't aware of that. So we checked it out. Yes, it was. And we found out, too. There was another gala that he hosted, or at least he was at, at Mar-a-Lago the year before, where he gave actually gave an award to uh, Rick Grinnell, his own openly homosexual cabinet member, uh, saying uh, there's been no better sp- spokesman, not only for the people in this room, but for the people of uh, the country. So what are we going to do about this? I, I went back to my GOP guy and said, if I can get uh, 100 letters, petitions of, of Christian patriots, people that are concerned about this, would you meet with President Trump? He said, absolutely. So I got the letters. Um, Over 125 people signed on to this. Uh, But when we tried to get the meeting, uh, we were stonewalled. And so that's when Melissa Reardon wrote Trump and Sodom, letting the cat out of the bag. And so I I did have contact with one of uh, the president's uh, staff. And I said, look, we don't want to publish this book. What we really want is a meeting with the president, uh, with with uh, someone that you know that has met with you before. And um, so anyway, we didn't get it, so that we published the book. And then about a month ago, um, my GOP guy got a call from President Trump, said, I, I want to talk to you about this. And we thought, whoa, this is a real, you know, an open door now that we didn't have before. Um, and so the president said, well, what do you want me to do? And our GOP leader said, well, first of all, reconsider your alliance with this community or this group. And also, uh, please give no special treatment to uh, special interest groups. So president said, OK, I'll look at that. Yeah, I can do that. And he said, I'll send you a policy document uh, that embodies all of that. We never got the policy document. My GOP guy uh, inquired people inside the campaign. So where we are right now is the president said, I, I will no longer listen on this topic. That's a quote. So we're kind of back to square one. 
And that's why I'm out there making people aware of, of what's going on. Well, and it's kind of a rock and a hard place situation because in anything that I was sent uh, by the person that put this interview together for us, I haven't seen you or your people say anything about denying the civil rights of people who are openly gay. Uh, but but uh, you're quite clear that uh, marriage is between man and woman. And so uh, you're not calling for discrimination, like with housing and retirement and things like that, are you? Yeah, I didn't think so. So, but you know, that's the first thing that the left will point to. Oh, I know. You guys are homophobic and you're trying to deny basic rights. And I guess it's accurate to say you're trying to deny them the right of uh, marriage, union of marriage. I I think that's probably an accurate statement. Um, So tell me, what's your justification for your position? Is it religious? Is it legal? Is it both? What would you say? Well, I'd say it's scriptural. Uh, scripture is clear, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, about homosexuality. So that's what I meant earlier when I said it's two levels. On the one hand, um, our point to President Trump from a political standpoint is uh, his base, his Christian patriot MAGA base, is not going to be happy about this. That's true. That's that. But And why is that? Well, it's because God's word is clear about homosexuality. So that's really what we're standing on. We're you know, if President Trump, when he was president, and if he becomes president again, certainly he would defend the rights of all groups, no matter what. I mean, that's exactly that's what you do as president. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you don't give special treatment to this group or, or be aligned with it. And that's he's kind of applauding this group, you know, and raising and it has it has some dangers, uh, Dave, because, for example, one of the uh, initiatives of the law cabin Republicans is to. Uh, criminalized conversion therapy, which is if somebody wants to, is a homosexual, wants to get out of that lifestyle, uh, they can do that. And uh, log cabin Republicans want to criminalize that. And they, they have a, a worldwide agenda. Uh, they're, you know, they want to normalize homosexuality across the board. And that's, so that's when they, they say we're, we're celebrating uh, homosexuality or homo, uh, gay people. That celebrating really is kind of a euphemism for pushing the envelope, just as I mentioned, uh, criminalizing uh, <clears throat> conversion therapy. So that's what we're very much concerned about from a, from a scriptural standpoint. That's really what we stand on. Yeah, and where I stand on this is, is this, is that um, their rights end where my nose begins. And, and what I mean by that is... Uh, what I see in the LGBTQ movement, and this is certainly not true for, I think, even most, because there's many groups that are gay that openly oppose some of these agendas that we're seeing, the especially the extreme agendas of grooming children. But with regard to, to their rights, they're not happy with the fact that they're not being persecuted and those rights are protected. They aren't happy until we are celebrating their rights. And that's the part that bothers me right there. No one has to celebrate my choices and I shouldn't have to celebrate anybody else's choices. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what goes on in your bedroom. Uh, And that's my position. I don't know how you guys take this, but, but uh, I I don't like being dictated to about what I should believe and not believe. Yeah. And that's, and that's really what's happening. Um, Some of the letters that we included in the book, 
we included all the letters that we, uh, or 95% of the letters that we had. And that's exactly what people say. Look, we don't want this normalized. I don't want my grandchildren, my children, my grandchildren to just have to roll over and say, oh, it is normal. You know, they just don't want this. You know, but in reality, they have the right to argue for this. I mean, they have free speech rights, certainly. Uh, So they have the right to argue for it. But we also have the right to argue against it. And that's the right they try to take away from us. And and you're right about one thing, uh, especially with Trump, coming back to Trump. I want to make America great again. Well, when America was great again, we didn't get into grooming children, lowering the age of consent. So let me bring this back to you. Is this group, uh, and we'll get into the conversion in a second, because I'll come at this as a former therapist, but in, in in this group, are they advocating for pushing the boundaries to the limits where you know, uh, as as Nambla used to say, sex before eight or it's too late. Are, are they pushing these kind of boundaries too? Well, I think so. I think if you go on their website, it's all, it's packaged in a nice package, you know. It sounds good. But no, they're pushing, they're pushing the envelope in a lot of different ways. Conversion therapy or criminalizing conversion therapy is just one of the things they're all about. So yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, see, this that's where I, that really gets my ire up, okay? Because, you know, I answer to God and judge not lest you be judged. Mm-hmm. But when, when your behavior carries over to our children, uh, that's where I draw the line. So let's go to this uh, trying to criminalize um, conversion therapy. Uh, first of all, I look at this as a legal issue. That's a First Amendment issue, and it's a parental rights issue. Does this extend to parental rights? for them to not uh, want their children to to be uh, groomed into these lifestyles? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, it, again, it just reflects what their agenda is. And and uh, not only that, but it goes on to uh, homosexual parenting. Uh, you know, who knows what the next thing is that they might come up with. So, you know, it's the camel under the, <laughs> under the no, camel's nose under the tent. You know, once they get in, they, uh, they push their agendas as far as they can. Yeah. And so to me, uh, I, I think I see why Trump might be motivated to do this. How does your group look at this? How did Melissa Reardon, when she wrote the book, how did she, how do you guys just look at this collectively? Why would Trump embrace this lifestyle? What does he have to gain from it? Well, he's looking at it from a strictly political standpoint. Um, you know, he thinks that that uh, in, going back to Ronald Reagan's big tent, you know, you've got to include everybody. Um, but he, we believe he's making a big mistake, even in that regard, because uh, as we're finding out, people that wrote letters in the book and people that we talked to are very upset about this. This is a line like abortion that many Christian patriots, mega people will simply not cross. They just won't cross it. To me, I don't know what he thinks he's going to gain from this because you're right about his base. His base is conservative, mostly Christian, uh, and not involved in these uh, fringe movements. I don't know what he thinks he's going to gain. I mean, what, what you? it's like cost-benefit. If I was looking at this as a businessman, I'm saying, how many votes am I going to attract by doing this versus how many I'm going to lose from a base that stuck with me through thick and thin? That's that's what uh, really confuses me about the wisdom of this choice. Well, you, you put your finger on something that actually is in the book. Uh, one of the chapters says uh, 
<clears throat> well, President looks at President Trump's The Art of the Deal, you know, his famous book of the 80s. And uh, Melissa says, well, you know, you better look at this. Look at both sides. If you, you think you're going to gain something and then you look at God's word and you look at all the Christian patriots that are pushing back on this, it's a, I, I think it's a big mistake. I mean, uh, so, yeah, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if if he's uh, gets awake on this. You know, he goes deep. It's not only President Trump, but it's in the Republican Party as well. Yeah, uh, Ron, Ron, McDa- Ron McDaniel. Uh, even a year before that gala came up with an RNC pride coalition trying to get, you know, more uh, homosexuals into the Republican Party, you know. So, you know, it goes beyond President Trump and it goes it goes it's deep in his family as well. Uh, 2021, when uh, Rick Grinnell, when he gave Rick Grinnell the Game Changer Award, Melania also got an award that so and she has come out you know, very much uh, in favor of what President Trump is doing with these groups. So, as I say, it runs deep. Um, unfortunately, we, we hope that that uh, he will awaken to this and, and uh, acknowledge that marriage is between a man and a woman. You know, you could imagine at one of his rallies, if he said that, there'd be overwhelming uh, support, even more than he has now, uh, particularly as people have become more aware of this. Uh, as I say, they were people that wrote letters were, I mean, most of the, well, all of the letters started out by thank, thanking him for the first three years, thanking him for everything that he's done. Like one woman said, I voted for you twice. I hope I can vote for you again. That's what I mean about not crossing the line. Yeah. And that I think that statement right there really encapsulates how most people are going to feel. What I'm most disturbed about is he has really centered a lot of his leadership on conveying to the public that they want the public to be autonomous in their decision-making. Parental rights are more important than school board board policy. You know, I've heard him say that. And mm-hmm. yet here he's turning around and, and saying, I support a group that wants to take away parental rights so third parties can groom their children to be what these parents don't want. Exactly. Does it go yeah. that far? I mean, Tim, does yeah. it go that no, far? It does. I mean, he doesn't talk that way because it's hidden, you know. He'll say, you know, he'll hold up a Bible. He'll talk about, you know, God bless you. And with God's help, we'll do this and all of that. But when it comes down to really the fundamentals, the word of God, he doesn't, you know, when I said earlier that uh, when he said ultimately the lad, this was a couple of weeks ago when he said, I'll, I'll no longer listen on this topic. He's not listening to us. He's not listening to our side. He's listening to the loud homosexual side and they are loud. Um. Yeah, that's one thing they know how to do is push the button. Yeah. The um, Are there any other objectionable positions by this law? I've never heard of this group, Log Cabin Republicans, besides the evisceration of parental rights with regard to grooming their children? No, it's, if, if you look on the website, it's just it, they're trying to normalize it. They're trying to make it. Uh, and you're talking about children. I mean, this is happening in the schools already. Sure. You know, and so they're they're just pushing that envelope to get it to get our children just thinking, oh, yeah, gays, they call them gays. You know, we don't call them gays. We call them homosexuals. Try not to use the euphemisms. You know, my my Melissa in her book years ago, before she knew the Lord and became born again, she worked in a women's center and that women's center was was pushing the envelope, their own envelope with feminism. And one of the things they, they they went after was words. 
you know, if you can change the words, you can change thinking. That's so, true. That's true. You know, gays, I mean, excuse me, homosexuals became gays. Uh, abortion was free love. I mean, you know, all the things that, that uh, they pushed have become kind of normal in our society. I mean, most people don't, they don't say the word homosexual. They say LGBTQ plus plus or whatever, you know. You know what I'm seeing a reemergence, speaking of language, I'm seeing the reemergence in the mainstream media of all places and in academia, the word queer to describe people who are homosexual. Yes. There was an incident, uh, and I don't believe the charge. They, uh, someone from Arizona State University, I live in Arizona, they alleged that uh, people from Turning Point chased um, a queer professor, that was the word they used in the report, um, and harassed them for their beliefs. Well, uh, there is footage that two people were indeed pursuing and verbally being aggressive, not physically, but verbally. And I would say it looked aggressive, but there's no proof it was turning point. So I want to make sure Charlie Kirk doesn't get mad at me because I'm not saying that. I, I, I haven't seen the proof for that. But what I did see was the use of the word queer repeatedly in the story. So, you know, the thing is, I don't know what to call people who are homosexual. My my intent is not to offend them personally. I just don't ask me to embrace what you do. I'll protect your rights, but don't ask me to embrace what you do. Well, it's, that, interesting. The, it's interesting, isn't it, Dave, that we kind of come back to queer. You know, when I was growing yeah, up, that's what too. the homosexuals were. You know, they were, you know, and so that I thought that was, a, you know, kind of a, a no-no for some time. But no, you're right, because now it's LGBTQ. Q, you know, and Q stands for queer. So I, I don't, I don't get it. You know, <laughs> I remember I'm driving home as a kid with my dad and he's starting to give me the birds and the bees talk part one. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I asked him, I said, well, what, what, what does the word queer mean to you? And I think I was probably about 11 years old at the time. And, and he, he described it fairly graphically. And he said, it's a sin in our religion. And, um, that was my first exposure real to the real word queer. And, and, and I don't mean to demean anybody. Go do what you want. I answer to God for what I do. And as long as you're not crossing over into my territory and affecting my life or my kid's life, that's that, that what you are is what you are and you got to deal with it. But it just, it bothers me that Trump supports a group that wants to cut into mainstream values because that's what Trump ran on. Exactly. That's the. Uh... Agree a hundred percent. That's again. That's why we're out there, uh, hoping, praying that um, that he'll awaken to this and and really listen to our voice, not the voice of the homosexuals. You know, whoever's and and you know what? I don't think Trump really believes this. Okay, um, especially knowing about his past the way we do. Uh, I don't think it's Trump. I think he's again the victim of very bad selective choice mm -hmm. for who he lets get around him. I mean, you know, we had, he had Bill Barr and all these other morons that served in his cabinet, yeah. uh, and it, it hurt him. It hurt him badly, and I think this is another instance where it's going to hurt him. But here's what concerns me about Trump's judgment. Um, he's got liberals that support these causes wholeheartedly and want us to have parades and celebrate, and and yet they're trying to put him in jail so he can't run for president, but he's going to go around and embrace their philosophies? That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense to me either. Um, but that's exactly what he's doing, embracing those things that are really an anathema to to our values. And uh, surprisingly, you know, because we've been big supporters. I, I, <laughs> I went back to J6, uh, you know, stopped the steal, uh, got a got a visit from the local sheriff when I got home. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, tell uh, me, I want to go there. 
Tell me yeah. what that was like. Well, it was the, the experience of January 6th was fantastic. I went back and uh, January, I was there January 5th and went to all the rallies. The rallies were tremendous, positive, uh, great experience. People were just there for a reason. We, we were there to, to, as President Trump ultimately said, pay, uh, peacefully and patriotically make our voices known. Yeah, yeah. It was a fantastic experience. And then on, on the Jan- January 6th day, um, I, a group that I was, that I hooked up with, uh, we went down to the ellipse where President Trump was going to be speaking. And we went down like at 530 in the morning. It was really cold, freezing down there. And we, we were hoping to get in. We didn't, but we waited until I think President spoke at 1230 or one. So we waited for that. And then we all marched down to the Capitol. But my group, we, we said, well, this is going to take forever. The Congress is going to be considering all of the uh, evidence you know, for the, the steel. And so you thought, so, so you thought, yeah. Yeah, so we thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we went on, you know, I got on the subway, went back to the hotel, and boom, it exploded. You know, we saw everything that, you know, the, you know, the, the uh, insurrection, quote unquote, or the Fed-surrection, as, as we've called it. Better put, yes. I like the last choice of words better. Yeah, because uh, we know that happened. You know, just I, I've met Owen Schroyer a couple of times at conferences we've been at, like uh, uh, Steve Quayle's conferences, and we've spoken at similar conferences. And um, and, and I got to tell you, he's going to prison in four days. Yeah. yeah. And and Owen Owen, uh, I've never heard him say anything that directly threatened violence against anybody. Okay, never threatened insurrection, never ever. And and yet, he said death to tyrants, and that's getting him a prison term. This is oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, and you know when I was there, Dave, on the fifth, I one of the rallies. I think it was at the Supreme Court. I, I can't remember. There, there were different rallies around town. Um, I li- listened to Alex Jones, and Alex was one of the best speeches I think I've ever heard about this, about what's going on in our nation. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing. No, I mean, he was, no way was he encouraging violence or insurrection or anything else. He was just there telling the truth. So I think that's where Mr. Schroyer has, um, you know, he, he stepped over the line, you know. <laughs> well, Owen and Alex went around that day and were telling people, don't breach the barrier. It's a yeah. setup. They were telling people it was a setup. I yeah. know people that were there that heard them say that, that told me this. Yeah. Uh, that's why I don't know how you put someone in jail like that. But but back back to our point here, um, I, I you know, I can tell you where all this comes from. I've spent the last week investigating who really controls the military industrial complex, who controls the banks, who controls big pharma. Who controls the World Economic Forum? And I had to go three levels deep to find that answer, but I found it. And 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 I think this enters into what we're talking about. Uh, it's BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. And what Trump is responding to, if you were to ask me to guess, is he's trying to pacify the other side without really believing it and probably hopes it won't become a big issue. And it's the ESG. Mm-hmm. BlackRock is, solid. by the way, BlackRock, as I found out, controls 70% of our nation's GDP. They don't own very much, but they control 70%. And ESG is about everything that's not mainstream Christianity, mainstream American values. 
They promote every extremist view you can find. And this is what's led Bud Light to go broke. Target's going broke. Disney losing money left and right. They're bleeding money. And it's all over this ESG because here's what they've done. Uh, To businesses, if you don't do the ESG, BlackRock controls 88% of the Fortune 500 S&Ps. This is all what I found in the last week. Mm -hmm. And they can determine who gets lending and who doesn't. That's what it is. And that's what they're promoting. Have have uh, do you think Melissa or have you looked into this aspect of it? Maybe on why Trump feels he might be locked into a corner on this issue. You know, we haven't. I I do know about Vanguard and BlackRock and, and State I, Street. Oh, yeah, yep. and State Street. You know, the big the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't made that connection. You know, with whether Trump, why Trump is doing what he's doing. You know, we just keep coming back to. Um, uh, being aligned with this group and groups like it and, and applauding them is wrong, scripturally wrong. So we stand on that. Why he's doing it, you know, he he could be, you know, playing it. I mean, he's a, a bright guy, obviously, you know, yes. and he's been a tremendous, a successful businessman. I mean, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. But what you were saying a few minutes ago about the people surrounding him, unfortunately, I, I see that even now, you know, with the gatekeepers that, that we've been dealing with, that didn't want to talk to the boss about this, you know, um, and we're not we're not talking about anything radical. We're just talking about, you know, you should hear from his base and his base is not happy. And, you know, he'll never see an uprising against him from his base. If this catches fire, people will just drop off. Yeah. And there's really so, where, there's nowhere else for people to go. Um, that's the problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ramaswamy. I don't know if you know about his background. Uh, George Soros paid for his education. I heard that. Yes, that's a fact. I I didn't believe it when I heard. It. I said this can't be true, and I went and I followed the money trail, and it came from yeah. Soros organizations. Yeah, it's oh. true. And then uh, RFK Jr. yesterday said, "If I'm president, I'll pay. We'll, we'll pay for reparations." Reparations. I saw that too. Yeah. And and I'm thinking, okay, he's not an option. No. Trump Trump is the only game in town. DeSantis has turned off the voters. Yeah. Um. And I like DeSantis, but he's turned off the voters. He can't win. He can't carry a campaign nationally. That's his biggest problem. Uh, he's too new to the game, I think. But I think that Trump is the only game in town. And and do you not feel that they're going to put him in jail? Let's talk about this. Sidney Powell, yesterday, in the biggest act of cowardice I've ever seen from an, a political insider, cut a deal and admitted to a crime she did not commit. She said this election was corrupt, and she was correct. I wrote an article on May t- uh, 12th of 2021 and i listed five ways the election was stolen all documented and mm-hmm. it was from the basis of my state my county maricopa county and i went through and i and by the way an hour after the article was out 13 of my best colleagues that i work with in this business all were called until they better disavow me in fact paul preston was told you keep having dave hodges on your radio show he's going to get you killed mm-hmm. and uh so that told me i was on the right track Okay, yes. so the election's stolen, and here's Sidney Powell goes and admits I'm guilty to this, and I only got to pay a six thousand dollar fine, but I've got to testify against Trump. Tim, I think he's going to jail. I hope it's not true. Well, me too. And you know, I just uh, as I was waiting for the link to come through, your link to come through it popped up in my email that the judge uh, is threatening jail because of a of a tweet, or was it a tweet? Something uh, something up on his website that violates the gag order and she's threatening jail right now. So, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a distinct possibility. It's almost like these people want a civil war. Yeah. If Trump goes to jail, there's going to be problems in this country. You bet. You now, bet. I'm, I'm too fat to run and too old to fight. And it won't come for me. So the FBI, you don't need to kick in my door. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, I know human nature and I'm telling you, the, uh, all you got to do right now to see how tense this country is, is to drive in rush hour traffic. If, uh, I live in the country and I'm lucky because when I go into the city, I can't stand it. And at rush hour, people are insane. I'm seeing behaviors I've never seen before. Uh, just antisocial behaviors in great volume. And this country is wound tighter than a drum. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that something like putting Trump in, in, in jail for violation of an illegal gag order, which is unconstitutional. I, I absolutely think this country will start to riot. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I live in western Nebraska. Uh, I li- I'm in a rural area. What part? Uh, in um, Crawford, Nebraska, which is western Nebraska. It's near, uh, it's only, we're only 40 miles from uh, South Dakota and uh, next door to Wyoming. Oh, so, okay. I know the area. So, yeah. The the eastern part of the state has gone blue, you know, has gone liberal. But out here in the third district, um, our counties out here are still very uh, very conservative, very MAGA. Um, you know, I work oh, yeah. with the go ahead. I worked with the Republican Party, uh, trying to get election, our elections squared away out here. Um, but yeah, you go to, uh, you go to the cities and you're, you said Maricopa County. Boy, that, that's, whew, that's a hot spot if there ever was one. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm lucky. I, 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 I have to live in the county. I'm not lucky there, but, um, <laughs> Uh, it is the most, I don't see another more corrupt County than Maricopa County. And, and, and here's why I say this, Tim, um, we have irrefutable proof, both from the former RICO investigator, John Thaler, a 120,000 page report with 20,000 affidavits and my involvement from a third party observational view of an attempted homicide that validates Arizona politics, criminality, and and I'm telling you right now, a lot of the politicians in Arizona and their administrative people are involved with the Chinese to a level that's treason. And they're involved with the Sinaloa cartel and money laundering operations. And it's been going on for a long time. And it's now just getting exposed. See, I don't know if you're familiar with the Liz Harris case. She was kicked out of the Arizona legislature for allowing this report to be brought into evidence. No, and, I didn't know her about that. No. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I, I know Liz Harris pretty well now. I've, we've shared the, the stage together in tea party events and she's been on my show quite a bit. And uh, they just said, Oh, uh, you can't talk about us being criminals. You're kicked out of the legislature. Hmm. And uh, this is what's going on in Maricopa County. And, and uh, I got to tell you, um, I thought Trump would be the guy to come in and start putting an end to this and start holding hearings, but he cannot take this stance. I mean, I have no problem with him saying under my administration, we will not ever accept unequal treatment towards anyone because of sexual preference. I have, in fact, actually, I think it should be that way. Um, we're not supposed to impose our religious views on others in terms of you can't even be who you are, but, but these people, they're not stopping with that. That's, That's the thing that bothers me. And it's the same with abortion too. You know, I mean, he, when, when he was president before uh, Roe v. Wade went down, of course he had, he had to support all groups. He had to support the law, which we understand. But then, you know, again, by God's grace, he got the good three uh, Supreme court justices in they Roe v. Wade went down, which he celebrates now. 
Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, you can you can uh, defend people's rights absolutely by the law, but you don't have to to call them out and applaud them and single them out for for uh, special treatment. Yeah, and you know, honestly, too, uh, the walk away movement. This is why I say I don't judge all people of a sexual persuasion uh, with one brush. I don't do that because there are the the gays against grooming group that was on Tucker's show before um, he was 86. Um, you know, they were responsible people say, no, 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 we don't endorse what you're trying to do to kids. And, and, and yet they weren't militant. And, and that's the thing that bothers me is the militancy. Uh, by the way, speaking of Western Nebraska, um, I've got a good number of friends um, in the uh, Sydney, Nebraska, Sterling, Colorado, mm-hmm. along that uh, Eastern Plains area. Um, and we got a pretty good audience there. You know, I, I started my professional career in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm well aware that many of the people in that whole region are saying enough is enough. And I'm actually predicting that East uh, Western Nebraska and Eastern Colorado uh, and the western slope of Colorado, um, Grand Junction, that area. Mm-hmm. I believe that these people are going to try to form a second state inside Colorado, much like what California is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 there's already some discussion about it, and I think that's really interesting. And these people, and I guess I'm speaking about you, my experience with these people is they don't reflect the, the politics of Denver or Lincoln, Nebraska. These These people are fiercely conservative. They raise their kids the right way. You go to a school event and they say a prayer before it starts. Um, this is what I've seen in my experience, and they're not going to compromise. So no, that's right. That's right, Dave. And there's a parallel too. talking about children. We talked about homeschooling a minute ago. That's what parents are. A lot of parents now, especially after the pandemic, uh, when they found out what was really going on, when they had to do Zoom, Zoom meetings with schools, they found out what was going on in their their schools, and so so many there's homeschooling is booming right now. They're taking their kids out of school, and I just draw the parallel because they will not compromise. We we homeschooled our children was the same thing. We were not going to put our children in a state run school that totally are, are opposite to our values, and that's happening. Um, it's happening in Idaho too. They're talking about statehood, a different, you know, mix of statehood there with people that won't uh, won't compromise. You know, I was uh, I spoke to a Tea Party, um, and uh, and I don't want to say where it was because the people there are not this way, but their school is, and this is in Arizona. And uh, I spoke, and I these people are very conservative. I spoke at a local church. And uh, wonderful people. And I, I said, so your schools are probably a reflection of your values. And I'm thinking the, the Colorado Plains, you know, mm-hmm. Western Nebraska. And I'm thinking along those lines, because I'm seeing the same kind of attitudes. And they says, oh, no, we have a couple of kids that identify as dogs and they put down dog bowls. Yeah. I, I'm not joking when I say this. It, no, got no, real, I, yeah, yeah. it got really graphic. And I said, you're kidding me. And afterwards, we went out to, to dinner with a doctor and his wife. And they gave me the details. And I, I won't even say it here on the show because it gets so graphic. Uh, and, and yet this is endorsed by the school district. You know, Dave, you, you'd be amazed, out, even out here, uh, out here in, in um, uh, western Nebraska, 
Uh, I went to a meeting here recently, talk about graphic things. This this was a similar situation with children identifying as cats and, and teachers, yeah, yeah. making sure they have uh, litter boxes, you know, that they can go to. This is in, in Casper, Wyoming. I mean, it's it's just is beyond the pale. Uh, it's just amazing. And, and, and Wyoming, the bastion yeah. of conservatism. And well, and here too, in in uh, in Gordon, Nebraska, which is is uh, <clears throat> east of where I live, um, re- again, MAGA country, very very conservative, but the school is pushing the values that you'd see in Los Angeles or New York or New Jersey or something. I mean, it's and they're trying to push back, you know, trying to to change that, but it's a losing battle because you've got not only teachers, administrators, you know, pushing this. Really, the only answer is to get your kids out. Yeah, if your school district's doing that. I've seen enough schools on the uh, Eastern Plains that I can tell you I'd be comfortable putting my kid in those schools. Um, but but I hear what you're saying. And I thought this was more of an urban problem. Casper, Wyoming is a little bigger. What is it, about 20,000 people? Yeah, yeah, it's bigger. Yeah, but when I mentioned Gordon, Gordon Nebraska, uh, totally left-wing school, I mean, Gordon, I don't think, well, let's see, Crawford is about a thousand people. I, I don't imagine Gordon's any more than that. So, you know, this is, this is, we're, we're out here and, uh, wow. and yet it's infiltrated all the way out here. Those you know, Tim, I, I have to tell you that um, some of the school districts with, at least with the parents, I know if this were to happen in, in their kid's school, these school board members would be recalled so quickly you wouldn't even get to read about it in the paper until after it happened. These people would not tolerate this for two seconds. Well, and that's that that is happening out here. I mean, we have uh, on the state level, even we they uh, the last election we uh, elected a couple of conservative who are fighting back against the agenda. Very difficult, but they don't. You see, they don't have the majority, and so the majority always. Out, the woke majority always outvote them. You know, it's so it's a it's a difficult thing. It takes time. You know, this one pastor that I know in this little town of Gordon, he ran for um, school board and lost. And so they still have on their school board a, a majority of shall, shall we call them woke or, or radical people. Do you, do, in the rural areas, do you have problems with your elections or are they pretty straightforward? Well, it's uh, interesting. We have, unfortunately, in our particular county, Dawes County, Nebraska, we have all mail-in voting. And that's not good. That's not good. You answered my question. And, yeah. and, you know, the county clerks are really what control the elections across the nation. And um, we have a, a county clerk who um, kind of ran on this on mail-in voting, how wonderful it is, like 12 years ago. And she's not budging, you know, so we we're trying to push back. We, we did a petition for, um, not only paper ballots, but same day counting, you know, all the, the th- and no machines. Uh, we got a big, but we could, we, so we're still working at that, trying to uh, deep six um, <clears throat> uh, the machines particularly, but also mail-in voting. It's just, it's just ripe with fraud. That's good to hear you talk about this because it's come to the rural communities now. That's I've seen yes. that. Um, and in fact, in Prescott, Arizona, that when I moved here, there was no more conservative area in Yavapai County up there than you'd find anywhere in the country. And yet 
now it's they have one of the most corrupt set of elections you could find. Hmm. And uh, Soros, uh, former Soros supported county clerk and recorder, uh, just just craziness. Uh, of course, you know I live in the county that in districts in Maricopa County when they opened, sixty uh, percent of the machines failed, but only in the Republican areas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we well, estimate. Stars, yeah, yeah, we well, you actually had a relative and a neighbor get caught up in this, and and we estimate about one hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand people were disenfranchised that day and didn't get to vote. Uh, it just absolutely was ludicrous what happened here, and it's all part of the same agenda. So whether you're talking sexual preference or voter theft, it all comes from the same mindset. It's this communist ideal, anti-God ideal, uh, just. Uh, just a society, I can't say the words that are coming into my head because they're not kind, but I would just say this, that these people, uh, they don't serve the Lord. And if they don't change their ways, you know, it's kind of like, this is how I look at it. If you are of the world, you're going to make an enemy of Jesus on the wrong day. And if you're, if you're of Jesus, well, you're going to make an enemy of the world. These people are total friends of the world and every perversion that exists. That's right. And, and that's who's taken over America now. And that's what a lot of people just can't get their mind around it. I'll tell them, uh, well, they're advocating for this. And people will look at me with a blank stare like I'm from a different planet. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember I was watching Ted Koppel probably about 30 years ago. And it was the old Nightline show on ABC. And he had a guy on from California who was a respected journalist. And he shocked Ted Koppel out of his chair. And the guy shocked me. He said, yeah, this election we talked about here was stolen. And I thought, that's the first time I ever heard really about a stolen election other than Kennedy in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I, really? He's saying this? This guy's well-respected. And now we know any election they want to steal, they can steal. And they're they're doing it. They do it every election, and they're going to do it again, you know. And that's how that's, we get these issues with LGBTQ going radical. They steal elections to get their people in they want. And then they impose this radical agenda on people who aren't buying it. Well, and getting back to President Trump and that and the log cabin Republicans, uh, Rick Grinnell being having the ear of President Trump, his agenda and President Trump apparently is on board is to um, <clears throat> decriminalize homosexuality around the world. That's part of that agenda. And President Trump is all for that. So it's, it even goes beyond our borders. Well, I'm not for you discover someone's gay and you stone them to death. That's and I, and I know Jesus wouldn't be for that either. Of course not. Um, yeah. But 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 so I would agree with Trump in that part of the issue. Uh, we do need to protect the sanctity of life, even with people we don't agree with. But my gosh, I just you know I, I, I'm thinking Trump might think this is a controversy he doesn't want to buy into as he's going through what he's going through. I don't know. Yeah, and granted, I mean he's going through. Uh, horrible, horrible times. I, so I understand it. But again, uh, just looking at it strictly, you know, politically, uh, he's got to take, he should take, well, he should look at it from the standpoint of word, the word of God. That's the big thing. But that's but true. Looking, looking at it politically, you know, making that connection, uh, making the point again, you know, the people that have supported him for years and years and continue to are, are saying, wait a minute, hold it. We're not we're not crossing that line. You know, things are so bad in this country is I think this through. 
I don't know if this is enough of a deficit to drive most of his base away. It'll drive some away. Some away, yeah. But but right now, with election fraud being as rampant as it is, he can't afford to lose even 2 or 3%. That's right. That's right. And that's, um, wow, that's that's really interesting. I, I just, I, I mean, what do you think his motivation is? Is it to avoid the wrath of BlackRock and that crew, or what do you think it is? That's an interesting connection. I hadn't made that connection. It may be. It may be. Um, it could be as simple as as uh, he doesn't want to alienate his family. You know, I don't know. I have no idea. Because um, I say Melania is a big supporter. And even Don Jr. Uh, and during the whole Bud Light thing, when there was the, you know, the, the um, <clears throat> boycotts going on, I saw a tweet of his saying, oh, no, don't do that. We need this vote. You know, so. It runs deep in his family. So who who knows where it's really ultimately coming from? Well, that's a political statement there by, by Don Jr. I didn't see that. But if, you know, if you're saying the way it happened, and I'm sure you are, uh, that's a political statement. Because who drinks Bud Light? Uh, people that watch football and go to rodeos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's what comes to mind. And, and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying, and those are the people that would also support Trump. That's right. So That's I can right. see why he said what he said there is maybe this is not the hill to die on because, you know, we might win this battle, but lose the war. Um, I, I understand why he said what he said. I'm less bothered by that than what you brought forward um, in the book. Well, no, I'm not going to ask that question because I don't want to give a spoiler. Um, but just let's digress for a second here. The book is entitled Trump and Sodom, letting the cat out of the bag. Um what uh, uh, this is available, I imagine, at all the places. Is, is it being accepted and will mainstream sell it like Amazon and so forth? Yeah, it's it's on Amazon. It's also on our, our, our website, <clears throat> which is Reardon Classics, R-I-O-R-D-A-N Classics dot com. Uh, you can get it that way and, and see our other our other offerings there as well. But, yeah, it's, it's on Amazon dot com. Um, so, Tim, I want to ask you this personally, though. Uh, what is your occupation? I was, uh, I was, uh, my f- career was in show business. I was oh. a television writer for, for 20, 20 plus years. Um, in the old days, you know, when Hawaii Five O, Starsky and Hutch, Fantasy Island, all those kind of good old shows, you know. Yeah. Okay. But then, um, the, the content went south. Uh, and I became during that time. And uh, then, so I moved away from that and have been uh, promoting our own projects. We have a strong anti-abortion film that we almost got produced called Sign of Jonah that I've been trying to get produced for for 10 or 15 years. Uh, That's getting some traction now in in various quarters. Uh, So, yeah, so I had I had a day job uh, during that time because, you know, I was I was making lots of money in show business, but when I moved away from that, it all kind of collapsed. So I was uh, down, worked in the inner city of L.A. giving business consulting to minorities while I tried to get these projects going. But now we've got Reardon Classics. We've got the books that you see behind beside me or behind me, Reardon, um, Nowhere to Run, Nowhere to Hide, which is uh, Behold, I'm Coming Soon. It's just uh, deals with uh, it's a historical novel dealing with everything that's going on around the world, child trafficking, stolen elections, the banks, but all in the context of Jesus soon return. So we, Reardon Classics really is, is uh, 
Melissa's grounding is in the word of God. And so we we're saying, unlike people, people think of the classics as being Greco Roman Roman, but we look at the classics of those that are really grounded in almighty God. Every one of the projects that we have, um, that's why I urge uh, do that. And so I'm, that's why I urge people to go to the website to take a look at that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it says really interesting. So um, I see here a note on here too uh, from uh, our common contact CJ. She's talking about it's available on amazon.com. It sounds like it'd be an interesting read, you know, and, and this is kind of taking me by surprise and I've had time to assimilate it now. And, and I think honestly, most aren't going to like it, but most aren't going to walk. I think that's, and I think that they'll probably see it as Trump trying to make peace with a group he doesn't need to tangle with. Um, is it is it in his platform? I mean, does it overtly come out beyond that no. we protect the rights of everybody? No, I, I mean, I I think you would say that, but I think that's <clears throat> from going back to original thing about my GOP guy. I mean, he's a very much a platform guy, and. Uh, the the uh, platform of the RNC, starting in 2016, renewed in 2020, his marriage is only between a man and a woman. Yeah. And so now that pro- platform will be, will be voted on again in 2024. And the danger, of course, is because of Trump's support of this of these groups, that they're going to cave on that as well, you know, in 2024. And you know, even though it's enshrined in law now, and uh, you know, uh, the I forget, Oberfell and Hodges, you know, marriage is is uh, they don't say it now. It's it, marriage is between in, two individuals. That's enshrined in law. But um, you know, from a scriptural standpoint, marriage is between a man and a woman. That's just what it is. Yeah, it's absolutely what it is. Um, yeah. And and I don't apologize for that either. Uh, it just to me this is not an area I would have gone. I don't think you can compromise with the devil. And that's, uh, if I look at his motivation, uh, I think his motivation is still the same as it's always been. I don't think he's had a shift. I think he's trying to just negate one more negative force coming at him. That would be my guess, Tim, if I were to guess on what's going on, that's what it is, but you can't make deals with the devil. That's it. And, and that's, um, you know, but here's the other thing too. You remember when uh, Hillary came out in one of the debates and she played that tape where Trump said some objectionable things about women and body parts and so forth. And really it was locker room talk, which most males have engaged in at some point in time, just because they think they should, not that they mean it. And uh, you know what I looked at? I saw that. I said, you know, that just shows me that God knows how to use imperfect people. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I took we're, it. We're it didn't, exactly didn't, sway right. me, didn't sway me one iota. And uh, my wife looked and said, what do you think? I said, God uses imperfect people. I said, yeah. Trump isn't perfect. I'm not perfect. And none of us are. And, and and I may end up categorizing it this way. But I think this is a book that needs to be read because I think people need to have a full understanding that he may be trying to keep the enemy at bay, but we're not going to let it cross it into the platform. I mean, that's... That's what I hope people will do with this. Yes, yes. Well, I, in one of the letters in the book, uh, you know, um, when King David, uh, when the prophet Nathan came to him and called him out for the whole Bathsheba incident, you know, where he engineered the murder of her husband, mm-hmm. uh, he was called out. And the first thing that he said, I said, 
I have sinned before the Lord. That was his response to it. He didn't yeah. make excuses. So he was God. David was a man over, you know, after God's heart. I believe in the past that, that uh, God has anointed President Trump for this time. I agree too. But, yeah, I really believe that. Um, but so far, I haven't seen that heart that of uh, King David to repent. And that's really what, where we want to, where we're going with this, is that God will bless the nation if He repents. Just the way when Nineveh was not was uh, not <clears throat> judged or destroyed. Uh, when Jonah ultimately went to Nineveh and preached repentance, the, the city and the king repented and God didn't destroy the nation. But we're, as you probably know, I mean, or, or I'm sure you feel is that we're almost we're almost Sodom already. In some right ways, now, we're worse in this, in this nation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I could say I live in Sodom and you live in Gomorrah, Tim. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although the area you're in, you know, I just like I said, I. I I have an appreciation for the majority of the people in the Western Panhandle because I know how frustrated they are by their state politics. I know a lot of people that live in that Sydney area. They they all feel pretty much the same way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tim, this has been uh, a really interesting interview. And uh, best of luck to you on this book. And, um, you know, before we go, just I have to have a quick answer because we're about out of time. But how did you end up working uh, as a TV writer and and moving to the Western Panhandle of Nebraska? Well, we, we, uh, after I left the show business, um, you know, California was going south. Not only show business was going sure. south as far as the content. And so, um, actually I had a small inheritance. My wife found a, uh, video of Crawford, Nebraska. We took a look and came up here and loved it and just moved, you know, so it was that quick. And also then later on, we were here five years, went to Ireland for another five years. That's, that's a whole nother story. We, I published um, Melissa's first book, Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, down there. And then we returned about four, uh, almost four years ago. So we've been around and, and uh, <clears throat> we, we got out of Ireland just in time. Ireland has really gone south. I uh, won't go into that. But, uh, you know, the whole vaccine. The, the, yeah, uh, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. 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 Okay. That just um, is so. Yeah. Anyway, I'm frustrated, but. But uh, I have to say that if the election was today, I'd be voting for Trump. But, uh, you know, I don't know that we're all imperfect in the eyes of God, but uh, this does bother me a little bit. And let's hope that there's a change of heart. And That's he also can for. clear yeah. these uh, legal hurdles. I'll be praying for it. Yeah. Well, Tim, thanks so much for coming on. Interesting interview and best of luck with the book. And um, let me, um, it's called uh, Trump and Sodom, Letting the Cat Out of the Bag by Melissa Reardon available where they sell books like at amazon and uh ladies and gentlemen i think it's worth a read because the more we know about our president uh, the better informed electorate we can be thanks so much tim thank you and i'll keep you posted if we have any developments appreciate that okay